I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. Hey everybody, Casper Schultz here from Innovative Medicine. I wanted to do something a little bit different for this podcast, being that it is May and it is Lyme Awareness Month and so many people are struggling with Lyme and their stories sometimes go unheard. One of the things I've always wanted to do is share those stories to empower others going through similar situations. And today we're going to allow one patient formerly from New York Center for Innovative Medicine who is now a colleague of mine and a wonderful person, to share their story. Unencumbered, no questions, no kind of dialogue. It's going to be straight through. You're going to hear her story, the ups, the downs, the the struggles and the triumphs, and where she finally was able to overcome chronic Lyme disease. This is the story of Healing from Lyme with Heather Lowry. So I grew up in West Texas in a town called Midland, which is relatively small. Um, It's pretty much known for uh, oil and football and um, tumbleweeds and whatnot. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt, so everybody went to church, and I grew up in a Christian environment where I went to church every Sunday and very much a faith-based community. And um, in all honesty, I'm not one of those people that's had a traumatic childhood. My childhood was amazing, like filled with adventure and fun. Um, I am the third of four children, and um, I have two really incredible parents who were very positive and uplifting um, always growing up. I mean, I, there are certain things that I grew up with my parents saying that I feel like is on replay in my head, things like have an attitude of gratitude, and if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. So um, I feel like all of that really facilitated a, um, I don't know, healthy growth and maturation and and kind of a healthy mindset. Um, So yeah, it was very uplifting and and fun and positive and I, you know, I don't think I could ask for for better parents and there's, uh, I can remember growing up and like one time I started preschool and I got out of the car, was super nervous and I turned around and my dad yelled out the window, you're a champion and a winner. And from that day on, it was like, that's, that was a thing. That's what he told us. And so we would tell each other that growing up. So yeah, my childhood was, was great. Trials came, but those were more later on, but I was very, very blessed. My mom comes from pretty solid German roots. So it's pretty strict and, um, you know, it was, she was very, my, both of my parents were very understanding and empathetic, but also, you know, there came a time where it was like, all right, life's tough, life's hard, like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and let's go. So I think that it created um, a lot of perseverance in me and that on top of playing sports. So a lot of, in my, the, my faith and growing up in that community, it was just kind of a lot of grit was instilled in me. Like a, you don't give up positive mindsets, things like that. So, yeah. Honestly, I was a very healthy uh, kid all the way, really, until college. Um, I don't ever remember getting sick. I think I had the stomach bug once. I never got strep, maybe once, no ear infections. Um, I did have migraines at a very young age, which everyone thought was very weird. Um, I would get so sick that I would throw up and have to go home from school, stay in bed all day, and that started at like age five and continued on um, into my adulthood. But other than that, I never got sick, never had an issue. 
um, had, had a little bit of anxiety and depression um, in high school, more so because I was so hard on myself. <laughs> so lots of lessons in um, just kind of self-perfectionism. But other than that, I was great until I went to college. So, um, and even in college, I was healthy. But in college, I, uh, I think it was like my sophomore year, I got hit in the mouth um, on the, the bottom teeth. It's a long story, but um, I had a couple teeth that cracked, and so I had to get some root canals. And then on top of that, I also hadn't, you know, had my teeth cleaned in God knows how long, but um, I had another root canal that I had to get. So I think I had four total root canals, and then I also had two cavities, but I was all kind of broke at the time and wanted to go the cheap route. So I went the cheap route and got silver fillings in my mouth. So I had some amalgams, um, not really knowing, you know, the repercussions of that, but that on top of some root canals. And I would say at that point, I started to notice, huh, I don't feel as good as I used to, um, but nothing dramatic. I still, you know, played intramurals in college, got good grades, you know, made it to grad school and all that good stuff. But that definitely took a hit. And then again, um, right before my senior year in college, I went to Africa for a month and I did a medical mission trip um, on the coast of Kenya. And during that time, there was a week period there where I got really sick, um, like fevers, kind of not feeling good, achy. They thought it was malaria, but ended up being fine, bounced back, came back, went to the rest of, went, you know, made it through my senior year. And But I would say at that point, I started feeling maybe a little less good, but I still thought, oh, it's probably stress and I'm fine and no big deal. Then... I moved to Peru right before I started PA school, um, right after I graduated college. So I had this year off and I lived there for like nine or 10 months. And there was a two week period where I was down for the count. I looked kind of yellow, <laughs> fevers, night sweats, things like that. Didn't feel good. Spent a lot of time in the jungle. Don't know if something happened there. Um, went to the doctors. They thought again, like, is this malaria? And then it wasn't. And after that, came back, you know, felt fine, bounced back, didn't have any issues, and went to PA school. And then during PA school, I, you know, felt relatively good. I mean, I ran half marathons and studied, but I did get diagnosed with uh, adult onset ADHD because I had such a hard time focusing and I had never had that problem before. Um, so I feel like I was always healthy, no big issues, wasn't hospitalized or anything like that, just kind of little knocks along the way. Um, but again, graduated from PA school did fine, felt pretty good overall. Then all of it kind of came crashing down um, when I took my first job out of school. So I took my first job at an alternative medicine clinic, um, kind of more of a functional medicine clinic, was really excited about it, had just learned about, you know, and different approaches to getting to the root cause of issues and completely pumped. I was 26 um, and when I moved, to, to start that job, I did not know. I moved into a house that was loaded with black mold. Um, didn't know until I lived there for a few days and was like, man, I do not feel good. Like I'm seeing spots everywhere and I can't focus. And then one day I was looking in a cabinet somewhere and noticed black mold all over everywhere. Um, and having worked in alternative medicine for a bit, you know, I kind of had an idea of, oh, black mold can make you sick and maybe that's what the issue is. So. I took another kind of little hit. So it's like I was childhoods here and just little hits along the way. Um, and then during that, that first year of, of working, I had a really traumatic, like emotional and other things event that happened. And that 
kind of took me down a little bit lower and made things harder on me and I started not feeling good at all um, kind of just tired all the time um, you know increased headaches things like that so I started chasing like what in the world could this be um, maybe it's black mold I'm still not out and I feel like for for patients out there who have this similar story is what you do you were like okay well maybe it's black mold well maybe it's my teeth I had root canals done I was learning all this about amalgams and root canals and the effect they can have on your health so I started chasing all these different you know, routes of, man, maybe this is why I'm not feeling great. And again, I was still pretty good, but, but not 100%, maybe not even 80%, but I was, I was functioning. And then I decided, and this was kind of like the last piece of the puzzle that tipped me over, um, I explored the teeth route and decided, I had a 3D cone beam scan done of my, my mouth and saw that all of my root canals were in fact infected. Um, not terrible, but enough to where, you know, that could take a toll on your health. And then learned about amalgam fillings and how those can release mercury into your body. And so I had all of those removed within two days of each other. And I think I did it all on the same day. And from that day forward, I was not the same person. Um, so it was like I had this, we give this analogy a lot here, but I had this bucket that was just kind of getting full, 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 got to the top, tipped over, and then and then all the really bad symptoms started setting in. So it started with, um, I started getting heart palpitations, didn't really know why, I lost my menstrual cycle, um, started getting really bad back pain, had never had back pain before, um, and then it migrated to my knees, so then my knees and my back, and then my hands. Um, so it slowly got worse and worse to where um, I ended up in crutches because I could hardly walk, partially because of the pain, but also because it's like I would tell my legs, hey, it's time to move, and they didn't really want to move like I wanted them to. Um, so almost kind of like an MS type picture. Um, but I would say that even worse than, than the pain, which the pain was, you know, excruciating and the fatigue was incredible. You know, like you get out of bed in the morning, lift your arm, and you're like, I can't even do that. That like took my breath away. This is, I'm so tired, but I can't sleep. And um, but even worse than that was the, the psychiatric symptoms. So um, the disassociation, feeling like I was separate from my body almost and not connected to my emotions and the incredible depression of I feel like there is no longer any hope in the world, like a very dark place, dark, terrible place to be. Um, and so over the course of about a year, it just got worse and worse and worse to where I was essentially debilitated and um, didn't really know what to do. I, um, and then of course, you know, I'm obviously I'm working at that time treating patients who were in my situation. I'm sure they're like, why is this girl helping me? <laughs> she, two weeks ago she wasn't in crutches and now she can hardly walk. Like who, who is this uh, person? And I was doing all the right things, you know, the diet, the uh, attempting to think positively, but you know, in retrospect probably wasn't. Um, but I think what kept me getting even worse was the was the kind of spiritual stuff that was going on like the that trauma that happened was kind of ongoing um, and there's a scripture that says a cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up bones and that's that's what was happening to my body I was just drying up and everything was I was kind of dying um, so yeah so went down all these avenues again okay maybe it's 
it, maybe it wasn't the teeth or maybe that was too much or maybe I need a detox or you know maybe it's still the mold and I have mold illness and so I went down the Dr. Shoemaker route of mold but then my knee kept swelling up like everything would hurt but my right knee kept swelling up and I was like gosh that just that's weird so I tested myself for every autoimmune disease I could think of um, other than I didn't do an MRI or whatnot to look more into MS just because I was scared to be honest um, and the only thing that kept popping up I was negative for all the typical stuff you know like an autoimmune thyroid condition uh, rheumatoid arthritis didn't really line up with lupus there was just kind of everything was getting ruled out but on my um, on my metabolic panel all of my liver enzymes were like through the roof I mean normal AST ALT is around 30 ish probably somewhere close to that um, and mine would be like 300, 350. So it was like, clearly something's very wrong, but I can't, I can't seem to figure out what's going on. Um, so, but when the knee thing happened, a little light switch went off and I thought, could it be Lyme disease? There's no way. I don't remember getting bit by a tick. Um, I mean, I was around ticks as a kid in Texas, you, you hunt deer and you know, deer have ticks and you gut a deer, which I didn't do often, but I thought, well, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Um, so I did a Western blot and it was kind of, which was kind of fun. When you're, when you're a practitioner, you just order everything on yourself. Um, and I had doctors helping me as well. But the Western blot was borderline. It was like, no, maybe you've kind of had it in the past, but it doesn't look like it's active. Um, so I did another test out of California and I think it's called Immunosciences, something like that. And it was positive based on their uh, criteria. So that was kind of like, huh, well maybe this is the route that I need to to go down. Maybe all of this is Lyme disease or maybe it's a combination of all of them. I have no idea. Um, and then I had a, um, I knew a, a doctor kind of that worked alongside us that did dark field microscopy where you take a drop of blood and look at it under a microscope. So we did that and all these spirochetes came out and it was like, oh, maybe it really is Lyme. Um, so that's when I went down the Lyme route. Um, and at that point, I was like a year and a half into my job on crutches with knee braces, having a hard time walking, having a hard time thinking, not myself, withdrawing from family and friends, um, just in a really dark place. So I finally took a leave of absence from my job and, um, and I moved home at 27. No, yeah, I was 27 moved to my parents' house, jobless, um, in so much pain, incredibly depressed. Um, and I, <laughs> I, so whenever I had those root canals removed, I had a flipper put in because I didn't want to do implants yet because I didn't know how I would respond. So I had teeth that popped out. So it was like, <laughs> you know, uh, this is really bad because I don't have teeth. I'm 27 and I'm in crutches. I can't work. I can't think. I'm losing friends. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, so that was probably like ultimate or one of the ultimate low points. I did feel that I had a why at that point, but I also had been treating myself accordingly as if I had Lyme with the help of like two other, two or three other doctors. So when we figured out it was the Lyme, then we did the antibiotic route. When that wasn't working, I tried everything that we had at the clinic that I worked at, UVB treatments, high doses of vitamin C, um, then a lot of herb oral protocols and things like that. And I did that for several months and didn't see any improvement. So I thought, I know it's Lyme because I saw the bacteria with my own eyes, um, but I'm not confident that that's the only thing that's going on. And I have no idea how 
where to go from here because I've been pulling from incredibly intelligent people and I can't seem to get anywhere. So after that, I moved home and, you know, had to kind of swallow my pride and ask for help from my family and my parents. Um, so we decided collectively, my parents are, like I said earlier, they're wonderful people, um, that we would choose, I would choose someone to go see and they would choose someone for me to see. And so I had done tons of research on, you know, the best doctors, the Lyme literate doctors, the the specialists in alternative medicine, in integrative medicine here and overseas and whatnot. So we figured we'd start in the States, so we did. So I initially saw someone in Pennsylvania, actually, a Lyme literate doctor, and based on her evaluation, she believed that I not only had Lyme disease, but a bunch of co-infections. So, um, so we went down the antibiotic route again, and I did that for probably two or three months, didn't see any improvement, was getting worse, and then decided, okay, well, we're going to try this other route. And so I wound up on the West Coast in, in Washington and saw a alternative doctor there and kind of went down that road for, I don't even know, four to six months. Um, and it was there, I, and they confirmed, yes, we think it's Lyme, and you also have heavy metals, which I kind of knew. Um, but I was taking so many supplements and trying all of these treatments and things that I had previously done, just maybe in a little bit different order and things like that, but it, it, I continued to get worse. I actually remember um, this was a very low point. I, my parents and I were up there um, and I was getting treatment and, and again, not really seeing much improvement, still on crutches in the whole nine yards. But I went to the bathroom. I was at a theater with my parents. We're seeing a movie. Um, and I decided I needed to go to the bathroom, so I get up and go to the bathroom, and I stand up from using the restroom, and all of a sudden it was like my legs aren't moving, like they're not, they're not moved. Do and it, it was like I was having a hard time. It was bizarre, and it kind of came back, and I was able to like kind of leave the stall, but I just stood there and I just bawled and cried and cried and cried and like the ugly, you know, <laughs> cry of, I don't see a light at the end of this tunnel. This is just getting worse. And I remember my mom came in because obviously I had been gone for a bit and I just cried and said, mom, I can't move my legs. I can't move my legs. And so we, of course, my mom cried with me. Um, and it was just, it was a, a very much a low point. Um, and then Somewhere, I think before that, this was a big low point. I was home with my knee braces on, laying on the couch with my crutches next to me, just completely like, I don't even want to stand up because it hurts to move anything. I don't want to shake someone's hand because it hurts when they grab my hand. I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm not myself anymore. I don't even know this person. I don't even, rem I don't even remember what it's like to like be social or you know have a conversation or I just feel like out weirdly outside myself. And I remember thinking, I... I don't want to be alive if this is what life is like. I can't think. I can't contribute to society. I, I just, I don't want to be in this pain. I don't want to have this fatigue. And I just remember being like, Lord, I, I would really appreciate it. If there's not an answer, could you please just take me and take me quickly? Um, and I contemplated uh, suicide, to be honest, uh, for, for quite some time because I just didn't even want to wake up anymore. Um, but I couldn't do that because I knew that it would destroy my parents and be hard on them and, you know, my family and friends. But I remember being on the couch, just kind of running through 
okay, well, how's, how's, how could I die gracefully? Like, maybe I'll walk outside and a car will hit me and it'll be like, sorry, y'all. Like, I, how, could this, how could this go? And I was just crying. And my dad came and sat next to me and he was like, um, and he never cries. And now I'm going to cry. So here we go. But he was like, Heather, we're going to do anything and everything that we can to help you. And your only job is you're not allowed to give up. And he said that literally the perfect time. So I think the Lord just told him that. And he told and he relayed that message to me. And it was confirmation um, that I, I can't give up because there's really only one option here. And it's to get well. And I, I always thought I had this, like the Lord kept telling me the whole way through, hey, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Um, and so I, I had a sense of peace and then that like inner grit from childhood and those, those things replaying in my head, like have an attitude of gratitude, which you don't want to have when you can't walk and you just want to like, you know, have the lights go out. Um, but anyway, so all of that kind of happened at once. And then I was in uh, Washington for a follow-up and I had heard about this book. Um, and it's Allie Hilfiger's book called Bite Me, which I feel like a lot of people have heard about, but I had just been praying and searching and on the internet, like all chronically ill, sick people are searching for answers and heard about this book. I couldn't read at the time, which sounds bizarre. I mean, I could kind of, but it was hard and things like would jumble together and I couldn't remember what I was reading. But, um, so I would just like briefly search on the internet on, you know, little nugget points and came across that and told my mom about it. My mom read the book and um, lo and behold, kind of went through figuring out what Allie did to get well and then said, hey, have you heard about this place? It's called the New York Center for Innovative Medicine. And I thought, uh, no, I haven't heard of it because I, I mean, I was in the world of, of alternative medicine. I had never heard of it. And, um, but I, I didn't really want to change protocols. I had been on, this was like, I don't even know, it was my fourth or fifth doctor at that point. And I really tried to stick with what they wanted me to do. And the thought of changing all that again and starting over and let's see if this works, let's see if this works, let's try this diet, keto diet, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, you know, tried it all. And it was just too much. It was like too many options and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. So I didn't want to go, um, but then I watched a TED Talk about somebody who had Lyme, a very similar situation to me, super healthy, and then, you know, kind of some weird things, and then boom, mid-20s, super sick. And I had never witnessed or met, I hadn't witnessed anybody talk about it or met somebody that said, you know what, I had that, and I'm better, and I'm great, and I, I feel wonderful. If you're a part of those online group chats, they're always, everybody's just still sick. You know, I'm still miserable. I tried this, and I'm still sick. <laughs> tried this, and I still hate my life. So... I had never talked to anybody that actually got better. So I watched this TED Talk, stalked that person on Facebook like a total creep. Like, I will find this person and I will ask them how they're doing. Asked that person how they were doing and they said, fantastic, still fantastic. And I, for the first time in a long time, had real hope. Oh, they were sick, they got better. I'm doing what they did, I don't even care what it takes. Um, so lo and behold, I showed up at the uh, New York Center for Innovative Medicine and I remember my first appointment talking to Caitlin and uh, Dr. Schultz, and I said, if you told me, Heather, you need to shave your head in order for you to get better, better and for the rest of your life, you're gonna be bald, I would have been like, yeah, I will do it. Whatever you say, I will do it. I don't care at this point. If I can get 40% better, if I can get 50% better, if I can function and get out of my parents' house, that's wonderful. Like, 
sign me up for that life. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm, I'm all in. Um, and I don't know why, I just had this piece about being there and for the first time knew this is where I needed to be. Um, and I really think that that's key and extremely important um, in, in anybody that has a chronic illness, that they find somebody that they trust and they know that I'm going to do this and I'm going to go all in. Um, and you really, I mean, I say follow the Holy Spirit where the Lord is leading you. But if you're not a believer, man, follow your intuition because you know in your heart what is the right path for you. And whenever you find that path, it's okay to, you know, ask questions and whatnot, but you really have to go in and say, I'm, I'm going all in. I'm going to do everything that you tell me to, and I'm going to take responsibility for my own thoughts and, and my role in all of this. And, and then you go for it. If you doubt the whole time and you doubt the process and you doubt the treatment, I don't care who you're seeing, you're probably not going to get well. I remember walking into that clinic, which is, was in Manhattan at the time, and I felt like when I kind of hobbled through, I could breathe for the first time. It was like, <sighs> I'm where I need to be. Um, and I had that sense of peace from the get-go. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what blood test, this fancy blood test that they were going to do on me was. I pictured myself just giving vials. I didn't even care. I mean, I would do whatever. But um, on that initial evaluation, I just remember... Um, you know, it was it was pretty, it, it wasn't anything intense. It was just kind of asking some questions. I'm going to feel your pulse and do some acupuncture stuff. Um, not acupuncture, but check meridians and things like that. And um, I remember maybe not being able to understand everything that Dr. Schultz said. Cause I was like, come again? What accent is that? I can't tell. Um, <laughs> but I just was like, I'll just go for it. Um, so I really wasn't scared. I was just so hopeful that I was, dare I say, excited, which I had not been in a really long time. Um, and I remember he poked, pricked my finger and put it on a slide, and, and I thought, that's it? That's all you need? Well, great. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's way easier than I thought that it was going to be. So did that and just kind of stayed in the city and was with my mom at the time. Um, and the next day showed up for my follow-up, um, kind of a little scared, like, what if he tells me I have cancer? Um, because when, you, when you're in that phase for a long time, you kind of um, start to get into like worst case scenario, you know, fearful, and you kind of dwell on that. Well, if I continue to get like this, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And I kind of ruminated on that, which was not healthy. Um, but for the follow-up exam, I remember um, him, Dr. Schultz and Caitlin saying, I didn't know that someone could have so much infection. Um, and I was like, really? What, what all's going on? Um, and it was, I mean, I definitely had Epstein-Barr, I feel like most people do, but it was in my brain. And then uh, Lyme disease, which was also in my brain, but I had Bartonella, Bibesia, Mycoplasma, you know, Candida, all the whole nine yards, and toxicity was super high, extreme emotional stress, emotional trauma that happened that was kind of messing up my brain function. Um, and then, you know, a whole slew of other issues and, you know, sluggish lymphatic system, very similar to what we see, you know, I, I see now here. Um, but it felt kind of liberating because it was like, hey, these are all the things that are going on. And instead of them kind of throwing like, we're gonna try this for a while and see if it works, and this for a while and see if it works, which is what I had been doing. It was, this is what you have, and this is exactly what we're gonna do, and this is tailored to you. 
this is your personalized treatment plan and no you don't have to do IVs for the rest of your life because that's kind of the road I was on I would start IVs on myself at home I would leave the clinic go home and start IVs on myself or have friends come over and do it for me um, so to have kind of a concise okay you're doing this many detox IVs and this is going to help with you know help clear up your cellular environment and then we're going to do antimicrobials and this is exactly how many you need for you and then we're going to address the emotional component so it felt like for the first time ever all of the questions I had of like when did this start and it feels like I have everything and I don't even know what to address first I had a plan a specified you know very personalized treatment plan and it felt so good and and it kind of cleared up that that chaos that goes on in your brain of I'll try this and then I'll try this and hopefully something works or sticks or and the next thing you know you're taking 50 supplements and um, and not feeling better and not confident in it but they were so confident with this is what you have to do you do this you will get better um, but the biggest thing was he um, I remember them telling me specifically um, if you do not change your thought life you will never get better and I was like, did you look into my soul? <laughs> like, how did you see that? That's weird. Um, but I mean, down to specific thoughts I had and just kind of like the depressive whatever that was going on. But I just thought, okay, you tell me to change my thoughts, dadgummit, I'm changing my thoughts and I'm going to be positive patty for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, just watch. Um, so yeah, that was so different from anything I had experienced before because it felt like here's a set plan and here's your firm diagnosis. You know, there are lots of things going on. We're gonna address all of it, and this is, the, this is the plan for how we're gonna carry that out. Physically at that point, I had kind of been off and on crutches, um, was not doing great, um, would have maybe some better days than others, but really, really terrible. Um, and the fatigue and the brain fog and the memory loss and the psych symptoms and all of that were kind of those in particular were at an all-time high so I went in physically feeling awful but in my spirit felt hopeful and then I remember leaving the clinic that day I started treatment right away it was like let's do it I'm ready um, but I felt so hopeful that even I think my next evaluation uh, they commented man your level of consciousness has gone up quite a bit and I'm like it's because I'm excited and I'm hopeful um, but I just felt like man, this is, this is it. This is going to help me move on with my life. In this phase of darkness and pain and you know, suffering and all of that, this is coming to an end. and this, It's going to be something wonderful and great. And I hadn't experienced that in forever. Obviously, I'm from Texas and was getting treated in New York. So I stayed up in New York for six weeks initially. Um, because I had to do quite a few IV detoxes and quite a few antimicrobials the whole nine yards and then a lot of regenerative treatments after that and I would say honestly I felt terrible <laughs> the entire time. I wish I could say man I had two three detoxes I felt like a new person but it was awful like I my knees would swell up more I felt I had a lot of emotional stuff come out. I mean, I would get mad at things that happened 10 years ago that I didn't even think I still cared about. Um, I would say that the pretty much any symptom I had was exacerbated. Not to where I was completely debilitated um, or anything like that, but it definitely, I did not feel good. So it was like it, I've, I had had Herx reactions before um, and even detox symptoms. 
that were worse than this, but you know, it wasn't a start the treatment and gradually you get better. It was start the treatment and pretty much you feel crummy the whole time. Um, and I remember doing the antimicrobials and um, just really not feeling like my best self, but I was still able to you know, get out of bed and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, I would say after the regenerative phase of treatment, which was like IV NAD and phospholipids and things like that, I started to notice a little bit of an improvement, like, oh, maybe I have a little bit more energy. Um, and I did some emotional treatments as well. But then I went home for probably two or three months and then sent my blood in again. And I would say I still wasn't feeling great, maybe like 15 to 20% better after two to three months. Um, so I would every couple of months send my blood in, make a few changes and whatnot. And then probably after almost a year, I was like 80% better, but it was not like this. This was my recovery was like this. I would dip down really low and be like, I, nothing worked, I hate life. And then I would reach a new threshold and be better. And then it would dip really low and then I'd reach another threshold. Um, and then after that year, I was even frustrated because I thought, man, I'm still not 100%. And I talked to this person and they were 100%. What am I doing wrong? Like, what can I do to make this better? And anytime I would send my blood in or get evaluated, it was always like, hey, the emotional, spiritual component is through the roof. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you should address that. Um, so when I finally started really kind of pushing into that, that's when my improvement got dramatically better. I definitely had days where I would say I, would, I got extremely frustrated and um, I thought maybe this worked on other people, but I guess maybe it's not working on me. Um, and I would, I don't know, just get so frustrated that I would cry or I would, you know, like yell about it to my, my parents or something. And I definitely had moments where I was thinking maybe it, maybe it didn't work or maybe I'm just, maybe I've, I'm not meant to get well all the way. But I would always remember, this is one thing that really got me through. Um, I mean, the Lord kind of walked me through the whole thing and kept saying like, you're going to get there, you're going to get there, you're going to get there. So I had that like faith of, I'm really frustrated, but I am going to get there. And I would, I would hold on to those moments where I reached that threshold, uh, that higher threshold. And even if it only lasted for a couple of days, I kept thinking, I got there once, I'll get there again. I got there once, I'll get there again. I got there once, I'll get there again. So I think that kind of pulled me out of those slumps. Two years, you said, mm -hmm. you got. Back to back to, was that 100% or? I would say uh, it was like, I mean, I'm like 98% better right now, but I, I mean 100, might as well just say 100. But um, yeah, no, till I got over 90% better, it took two years after I finished treatment. So as a result of the treatment, I initially, one of the big things was getting back into work. Um, so that was something they kept pushing on me, like, you need to get a job, you need to get a job. And I was like, but it still hurts and I'm tired and, you know, I don't feel like my brain's fully functioning. But I had this vision of me working in a hospital and I thought, that's really weird. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. That sounds like a lot. That sounds scary. But I always loved emergency medicine. I almost took a, a job in emergency medicine right out of school. Instead, I took the alternative medicine route. But I really didn't want to work in this world of you know, integrative 
innovative functional medicine because when you've had Lyme or you've been sick for a while, the last thing that you wanna do is talk about it all the freaking time. <laughs> like When you're still not better, you don't wanna talk about it because it brings up bad feelings of, but I'm still not there, but I'm still not there. So I wanted to take a step away from that, but I also didn't wanna work in like a primary care setting where I was just you know, treating diabetes in a way that I didn't in good, I couldn't in good conscience, you know, do. So I thought, you know what, I'll try and apply to some urgent care, you know, emergency rooms and just see, which, you know, it's like, oh, I can't work, I can't work. Maybe I should work in an ER. Like, <laughs> who does that? That doesn't sound uh, logical, but um, so explaining my gap in my record, in my, you know, work history was really fun because a lot of, there's a lot of controversy in you know, is there such a thing as chronic Lyme and, you know, why would we hire this girl because if she was sick for a while, like, she's probably going to get sick again and, you know, so it was, it was scary because I was hard on myself and thought I'm never going to get a job, no one would, why would they hire me? I've, you know, been out a year and a half, but I did get some job offers. When, I remember the first time I, my first interview, I just talked a little bit too much probably about Lyme disease because it's like hadn't talked about it and was kind of like becoming myself again and those, you know, symptoms of disassociation and whatnot were like getting better. But I didn't, I felt like I didn't know how to communicate. I don't know. It was very weird. But um, definitely didn't get a call back from them. So that, that was funny. But lo and behold, um, I got a job offer at an emergency room that in the town that I grew up in. It was random. At first I applied and I thought there's no way they're not going to call me back. And um, the head doctor actually was really into alternative medicine and was the first person that looked at my uh, work history and was like, oh, that's really cool. This is great. And got the job. And so that was like phase one. That was kind of the next first, you know, I got better physically just from the treatments here, sort of, then even better when I addressed more of the emotional stuff and then even better when I started to actually have a purpose in my life. So I worked in an emergency room, which came with its, you know, other issues of being scared that I was going to get everything that everybody had. <laughs> you know, I, this person's coughing and they've got mycoplasma pneumonia, I'm going to get it. Um, but I noticed that my immune system was really strong. I did get the flu at the very beginning, but then after that, I didn't get anything. I didn't get a cough, didn't get, you know, anything ever again it was like I was around these sick people and sick kids all the time and my immune system was rock solid which was nuts and that was another sign to me of oh this I think this is working by gosh I think it's working the road back to health was you know go home continue to uh, you know have a healthy lifestyle address the emotional stuff find a purpose and then slowly but surely I just kept climbing and getting better and better to where I finally was able to not only like walk without knee braces, but to kind of start exercising again. And then a little bit of yoga and stuff turned into a little bit of running. And a little bit of running turned into, you know, Orange Theory Fitness. And the next thing you know, I was so excited because it was like, I haven't been able to do this stuff in forever. And now I am lifting weights and no one can tell I've been sick and my joints aren't swelling and this is fabulous. So. Um, all of that happened, and when I finally reached a point of not only feeling better, but actually believing, oh, I, I am healthy. I mean, I can tell you the day that I finally decided in my brain I'm healthy. There's something called cognitive dissonance where you think something in your head, but you don't necessarily believe it in your heart. And um, I was in the ER working, you know, pretty exhausted um, from a long shift and, and just was kind of 
worried about getting sick, worried about, you know, my joints weren't feeling 100% that day. But I just had, I had been telling myself over and over again, like, you're healthy, you're healthy, you're healthy. But I don't think I really believed it. But for some reason that day, I had that thought of you're healthy. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, holy smokes, I'm healthy. This is great. And that also took me to another level of, of health um, where I believed that I not only, you know, my body was functioning better, but I believed in my heart that I was actually healthy and normal, quote. Um, so all of that happened. I ended up working in the ER for a little while longer and then sent my blood up here for just, you know, like an annual, annual kind of follow-up and... Um, came up to do just like a, some maintenance stuff because I hadn't been up in a really long time. And while I was here, I had always thought eventually I would wind up in alternative medicine again. Um, but I just thought, I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it because I'm not healthy. You know, I'm not healthy and I'm not 100% or I'm not whatever. There was always just something more that I kept making up excuses for. And I'm not ready to talk about that. Um, but I finally reached a point where I came up here and I thought, oh, I'm ready for this. Like, not only am I ready for this, but I want to do this. This is my future. Maybe this is why, you know, I got sick in the first place, so I could find this place, so I could work here, so I could help other people. I wasn't sure, but all I knew was, you know, I love emergency medicine. It's so much fun. Sewing people up is so much fun, but this is like cutting edge where the future of medicine, in my honest opinion, is going, and to be able to be a part of that was, like, my my big goal. So, um so then I somehow convinced Dr. Schultz <laughs> to hire me, um, and I moved from Texas and drove my car up here and haven't looked back. I think that it, it gives me life to encourage people and to, to do what that one person did for me when I saw the TED Talk and I Facebook stalked them and said, did you actually get better? And they said, yeah, I got better, you can too. So I thought, you can do it, I can do it. So that's what I wanna tell patients, I can do it, you can do it. Um, and your case may be a million times worse than mine. I see so many patients here that I make me grateful for, well, I mean, even the support system and things that I have going on, but I want to encourage them and say like, I, I mean, I don't care how far gone you are, there's always hope, always hope for, usually for full recovery, but at least for significant improvement in your life to get your life back. So having the opportunity to, to be a part of that and to encourage people is huge. And then this road is kind of like the road less traveled, I would say. It's not an easy road to recovery. So it's not like in, in the emergency room, you someone cuts their arm, you sew them up, immediate results. Like, great, I helped you today and that's wonderful. Here, it's you're kind of in it for the long run, you know. So you have to be, it, it's not so much immediate results, but man, when the results come in, it's, it's incredible and exciting and fun to watch people not only get excited, but to get their life back and to be so grateful. And I don't know, there's just, there's really nothing like that. And I think that's what drives me to be here. How am I feeling today? I would say I am, I mean, I feel great. Um, my only, I'm like 98% better. I have, therefore I'm wonderful because I came here with the expectation of 40% or whatever I said earlier. Um, the only lingering issues I have is a little bit of joint stuff. Um, not bad. I'm running and whatnot, but I'm always searching for, you know, 
stuff that can help patients, you know, kind of get over that last hump. So especially with Lyme patients, joints are really hard, especially if you've had it for a long time. Um, so I am great. I sleep great. I used to have so much insomnia, would stay awake for, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours and not sleep at all. Um, my energy's great. My brain function's great. I don't have any depression. I don't take any medication. Um, I run, I exercise, I have friends again. I have an incredible family still, and I don't live with my parents, and I did get teeth. For those of you out there who are wondering, I did get some implants in, so yeah. Well, there you have it. The raw and unfiltered story of healing from Lyme disease. Heather laid it all out there, and that isn't easy. But it does show you that regardless of your current condition, whether you're struggling with Lyme, mold toxicity, depression, or any illness, there is hope. This was part one of a two-part story. You can call it the setup, if you will. Our next podcast will interview Heather as the physician assistant and medical team member of NYCIM as she outlines some of the best tips and clinical advice she now gives to patients healing from Lyme and other chronic illnesses. Hear her go into detail the techniques, products, and procedures she found to have the greatest impact and ultimately led her and many others to healing from Lyme. Until then, keep writing your own healing story.